Welcome to the CDW Gets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Marquez, an education strategist for CDWG. Today, CDW Gets School Reopening Considerations. With schools reopening in the fall, what considerations are districts looking at to implement a safe and highly effective classroom structure? Today, we will be looking at various district plans on reopening, how is technology leaders in the districts being utilized in these plans, and how is the community being considered when making these decisions? To help us with our discussion, today we have a technology leader from California, Jamie Lusatter, Chief Technology Officer of La Kenyatta School District in the Los Angeles area. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. Hey everyone, thanks for having me on, Joe. I'm super excited to be here today and talk about this challenge that we're all facing with school reopenings, and there's so many interesting facets related to it. Um, so I am Jamie Lusatter. I am a uh, Chief Technology Officer for a school district in Los Angeles, um, and it's La Cunada Unified. We're a tiny little district just in North LA. We have about 4,000 students and 500 extremely dedicated staff members, um, and we're all working to get towards reopening. And previously, to being in the tech department, I was an English teacher at La Cunada High School where I actually went to school. So I love being able to be at home working every day. It's a pretty cool experience. Jamie, I love that story because I myself taught at the same school that I went to junior high at. And oh, super cool. Yeah, and it's, it's a very surreal experience because, you know, I had so many fond memories as a student there, and then I had so many fond memories as an educator there. So I absolutely know the love and passion um, of a school and a district that we went to. So I love that. I absolutely love that story. Now, Jamie, we met each other at the Santa Cruz County Office of Education Distance Learning Leadership Summit, and we were talking about school reopenings, and you had a lot of great information and a lot of great ideas, so I absolutely wanted you to come on to this podcast. And when we, we talked in that session about five different scenarios of school reopenings, and, and they go all the way from business as usual, meaning you're going to have as many students coming in face-to-face -face as possible while still abiding by social distancing and CDC guidelines, all the way through adjusting your calendar to a hybrid on-site remote model, maybe adjust, adjusting a schedule of maybe an AM model and then a PM model, or all the way going to full remote. All of these scenarios have their pros and cons, but I do know that all of these scenarios are going to require educators to understand that you may not have students still returning back to the classroom. You still may have some parents who wish for them to learn from home. So regardless if you're opening as business as usual, you're still going to have some of those distance learning students. What I would like to know is what are some difficulties that must be discussed with these reopenings during the fall semester uh, looming on the horizon. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's actually the work we've been doing for the past, I would say, six weeks or so. You know, when school closed on March 13th for us, we were under the impression, I think like most of the country, that August was going to be normal. And I don't know why we thought that, but I think that was the way we were processing what was happening. So as it became apparent that things were not changing at the pace that we expected, we really started shifting gears to think about, okay, what's school going to look like in the fall? We started doing a lot of collaboration, talking to other districts, looking for state guidance, federal guidance, just any ideas on how this is going to work. But there was that one constant that you said, we are going to have kids and staff that will need to stay home. So we started to lock in the pieces that we knew to be true. And then once we did that, we realized that was about all we knew. And the logistics of reopening we're going to be huge challenges because everything that we traditionally didn't have to account for, suddenly we did. We have to rethink how kids walk through hallways. We have to rethink 
lunchtime. We have to rethink how our classrooms are designed, even visitor policies. So I think once you commit to, okay, school's going to look different, then you have to start thinking, what are all those little tiny pieces that normally we don't have to think about? So that's where we are as a district. We have a planning list and we're going through all the logistics. And then once you, once you settle on that and you know, okay, these are, these are the pieces that we're going to tackle. You, you delegate it to the right people. Then suddenly you're faced with, wait, we still all have the normal work that we have to do during summer. We still have re-registration. We still have summer projects. So I think that's been some of the biggest difficulties that I think districts need to really think through is just what are those normal business things that aren't going to look the same? And once you get that started, then you're ready, ready to start tackling it. You know, and I, I love everything that you said because everybody wants it to be back to normal, mm-hmm. but we know it's, we're going to try to make it as normal as possible, but there are going to be changes that need to happen. And in, in previous episodes of this podcast, we've talked about social distancing guidelines within your classroom. We've talked about thermal temperature checks as going into mm-hmm. the school. But one thing we haven't talked about is PPE. And I know that can be a big issue because students coming in may or may not be asked to wear face masks. If they are, will the school be providing that? What about educators? Are they going to be using a reusable face mask that can be washed or something that can be thrown away every day? What have you talked about in your district about the idea of PPE or maybe things that you've heard outside your district that other people are deciding on utilizing? Thank you for that question. So what we we were scrambling a little bit on this too, because there's competing science on all of this. And for some reason, there's also differing opinions on what's effective across the board. So we started really grounding ourselves in research. We're uh, working with the Los Angeles County Office of Education with their guidance. We're looking to our public health department, to state guidelines, federal guidelines, to really determine what's the best approach. So what we decided is Everyone was doing research independently. We finally designated one person to be in charge of PPE for our district, and that suddenly just helped quite quickly. Then we've inventoried the stock that we have, so we exactly know what we need. And then the next step was really analyzing the individual needs for our school site. So we were looking at our office spaces, looking at our classrooms, like where are we going to need things like dividers and whether you use plexiglass or use plastic sheeting. Um, there are a lot of options, but I think the first thing is do a needs assessment, get a sense of what you you have and and have somebody in charge of that for you. And then there's also very specific needs by users. So when we're talking about face coverings or face shields, teachers, for example, especially of really young children, probably should be using a face shield so kids can see the facial expressions and see how words are being formed and how sounds are happening. And then when you think about even older students, that does make a lot of sense because there is some muffling that happens when you're wearing a face covering. And and that may take you down the road of maybe needing voice amplification. So suddenly PPE is now changing how instruction will be delivered. So all of those conversations are super important to have. And also practicing, you know, having a meeting with school leaders. We had one last week where people were wearing face masks and just the empathy building of what this is going to feel like for our students and our teachers was super important. So I I would say, you know, in summary, it's just have somebody who's in charge and then really do individual assessments of of what your school and, and sites are going to need. And I think practicing what you said is key there because with everything being implemented, students and staff need to practice these new guidelines, whether it's staying six feet Mm -hmm. apart, whether it's constantly reminding students to wash their hands, but with face masks, that's constantly telling them can't adjust them constantly. You have to keep your hands away from your face. So these are absolutely things that need to be thought about and practiced on a daily basis. And we also have to make sure schools know it's not going to be easy at the beginning. And so just that constant reinforcement is extremely important. 
Now, you talked a little bit about this earlier, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into it. Once a district chooses one of the five scenarios, so once a path is chosen, what are the next steps? What does a district need to do to get everybody on board to get started? What would you say are some steps or some simple solutions to get those steps implemented? So I think there's really kind of four big ideas that you need to think about with this. If you can get your schedule sorted out, like choosing your path, that's probably where most of the thinking has to occur because you really want school to be as normal as possible for the kids. You want to create a schedule that's recognizable for them so it's not so drastically different. But what you might see are different loading capacities. So for us, we thought through, are we looking at a 25% capacity, 33%, 50%? So we had our principals go through every single room on our campuses and do a loading study. So how many kids could fit if we're looking at six feet social distancing guidelines in each of our spaces. And we started to be creative. What outdoor spaces do we have? What non-traditional teaching spaces do we have? And so we have this massive spreadsheet telling us exactly what we have. When we analyzed that data, we realized 50% was the capacity we could hold to get students back safely with social distance guidelines. So again, locking that in actually freed us up to then start thinking about the other issues. So I would say settling on your schedule is the first place to start. We looked at rotating AB schedules for our kids week on, week off. We looked at AM, PM. And again, that's where committees come in or getting more stakeholders involved. So locking in schedules, number one. Once you have that done, then you can start the logistics brainstorm, as I mentioned earlier. Just think about all those little bits and pieces that are part of the school day that are going to need adjusting. And I know we're creating part of this podcast, we're creating a Padlet for people to share resources. And I have my planner on there. So as you're listening, don't worry about writing down notes. I have that all ready to share with everyone. Then the next piece I would say is training. We really want to emphasize, as you mentioned, Joe, in the last question, that we're going to need training on how to use PPE, but also just how to walk through the hallways, how to deal with lunch, how do we deal with recess, how do we deal with entering and exiting classrooms. So training for staff and students on PPE is huge, but I don't want to forget training on how instructional models might look a little bit different. So I think that's going to be a component that has to be addressed. Our local guidelines, our students are facing forward, and that's very different from how we teach now. We're very collaborative, and students work together in partners, so we're going to have to rethink even how instruction happens. And then lastly, I would say communication, really determining what your communication plan is. We overwhelmed our families with communication during school closures. We had principals sending out messages daily. We had district messages coming out um, two or three times a week, and it started to become very noisy. And of course, it was emergency communication, so I think it was needed. But when you go to reopen, I think determining your strategy for communication is huge, and then training the families on what that routine is. So it's not enough to say principal's going to email on Mondays, superintendent's going to email on Wednesdays. Let parents know and let, let them know what to expect. And don't forget about involving students in that communication. They want to hear from the school leaders as much as everyone else. Oh, and one more thing. You have to be ready for all of this to change. We're getting new information every single day, new releases from health leaders, from science reports, federal guidelines. So all of that's up in the air. So our best planning could be undone in a moment's notice. So I'm really thinking that we have to, again, try to keep things looking as normal as possible, but be ready for pivoting, have contingency plans. And it's funny, as a a tech technology TOSA in my district, I always used to say, create a plan, implement a plan, plan goes wrong, keep adjusting your plan. (laughs) Because that's exactly what needs to happen because we have a vision and we have to be willing 
to stray a little bit from that vision if things aren't working out the way that you absolutely want. So that contingency and the ability to pivot is gonna be absolutely important for districts to successfully implement a school reopening in the fall. Now, Jamie, you are in a very special position because you're a CTO of your district. Traditionally, a CTO oversees like one-to-one implementation, devices, security, those kinds of things. In this role, what do you see a tech leader's role would be in this reopening process? For me, it's always about supporting the instructional vision. So really knowing what the ed services colleagues are doing, what the mission statement and vision of the school, and then how does tech support that? So for us, it's really about making sure kids have devices, making sure teachers have the trainings to try new things, having systems that are in place to support whatever the world is throwing at us. So for example, we really had mass adoption of Google Classroom during the pandemic and the first part of school closure. And we saw spikes from 200 classrooms being used daily to 500 within three days. So we had teachers who were brand new to pro users really diving into that tool and we were ready to support them. So analyze the systems that you have in place that support, you know, whether or not we're in a pandemic or or not. I think that's the other part of this is what do the tech leaders do in normal times that still transfer over? So really thinking about your systems. And then a big part of this is an equity piece and accessibility. So making sure students have access, making sure you're thinking about all types of learners and even all types of teachers. Teachers have different needs as well. We've seen some who suddenly they were trying to run distance learning on an 11 inch Chromebook. And if you can imagine trying to do virtual learning and then maybe grading or showing something and it just doesn't work. So we're trying to reassess what is working from home look like? What, what tools can we supply? Making classrooms safe for teachers to come back in to do that. So I would say, you know, just in summary, it's the devices, it's the systems, it's access and accessibility, and then the training for all of the, the teachers and students. And let's not forget training for our parents. They're a part of this as well. They need, they need support on all the systems that the kids are using. Yeah, I would say every stakeholder in the district, one of their jobs is going to be to reassure everybody that they're going to have the support needed to implement a reopening in the fall. And when I say everybody, I mean exactly like what you said, Jamie, parents and teachers and staff members and administrators and students. Everybody needs to be able to be in a place where they feel comfortable and confident that things are going in the right direction. So PD is going to be very important for teachers. Uh, Having teachers have an opportunity to ask any question at any time uh, to the technology department on how to implement something is going to be really important. And just like you said, building and maintaining that infrastructure to ensure that everything will be working. And so I think the tech leader's role is absolutely going to be important going forward in this reopening that we will be having in the fall. Yeah, we have extreme job security right now. So, you know, what's, what was interesting is before I be, became the technology director for our district, we were facing a lot of budget cuts through the Great Recession. And I, I arrived just after that. So I was really in this golden age of new money coming in and, and building up the systems and making a really strong environment, which I think helped us deal with closing campuses. But we're about to maybe potentially face that again. So anything you can build now, I think will help us in the future. Yeah, I I always say to my technology friends, I go, there's a fine line between the crazy man talking on the mountain and the prophet talking on the mountain. Mm -hmm. The only difference is timing and perspective. So true. Now, as we're going into the fall semester and, and managing our reopening plan, how do we do this with the thoughts of this looming budget cut 
coming down the pipe. Now in California, we had some really good news yesterday about a bill being passed that will defer those budget cuts to a later date. But other states may not have that. Other states may be still be staring down budget cuts. What do we think about during these times? What do we prioritize? And, and how can we ensure that schools are taking inventory of what they currently have and use those resources first before going off and purchasing things that will help fill the gaps? So I think this is where it's really important to kind of assess the needs and thinking beyond the crisis. So before purchasing anything, really think, can I use this after and, and or can it be repurposed? And I think that's just a really good place to start. So for us, we're thinking about, okay, we need to buy a lot of cleaning supplies. We're going to have devices coming in. It's not a bad idea to just generally wear gloves when you're cleaning student devices. So purchasing those now, we think that's actually just a good plan going forward. So that's how we're thinking about it. No matter how the world looks like, having these cleaning supplies is a good thing. And yeah, we've upped the game a little bit with gloves and masks, and maybe the mask won't be needed later, and that's okay. But also thinking about there's this digital divide that we're all working on, and that's a good investment. So making sure students have access to devices and high quality bandwidth, those are, those are problems to tackle with or without the pandemic. So that's a good place to be spending your time and prioritizing. And then when you're thinking more specifically about how to set up classrooms and you may need dividers if you're unable to get that six feet of social distancing, there's some creativity that can be done on how those can be repurposed later. If you buy something that could potentially be used as a whiteboard, maybe there's plexiglass you can find that kids can then write on. That's the thinking that I would encourage people to do. Again, like how would this be used after and to avoid any unnecessary kind of spending uh, otherwise. Yes, and I love that because, you know, the dividers people are purchasing are the plexiglass see-through, which, you know, isn't really conducive to whiteboarding in itself. But you can then repurpose those by purchasing something like the 3M whiteboard film and place that right on top. And now you do have a whiteboard. So it's going to be extremely mm -hmm. important that, that when you are looking at purchasing things that are new, that they can always be used for the longevity of the device, not just for the reopening purpose of fall and possibly spring of next year. We also saw teachers being really creative with supplies that they had in their classroom to get through distance learning, like grabbing doc cams and turning those into webcams. Um, one teacher even used her projector and her refrigerator. And so she projected on her refrigerator and then was using that as her whiteboard at home. I mean, there's a lot of ways to be creative and assess what you have to make that happen. Yeah, speaking of which, I always like to ask this question, what are some innovative solutions or quote unquote hacks that you have seen in planning for reopening or the repurposing of tools. I know you mentioned the, the webcams and you mentioned the um, projecting on a refrigerator. What other things have you seen or heard of that schools can start looking at to uh, make this reopening successful but not having to spend a whole bunch of money? So the first one I want to mention is one I'm borrowing from your previous podcast. Uh, one of your guests talked about having kids bring beach towels to be able to utilize outdoor learning spaces. I thought that was a super cool idea um, and easy. People can grab a towel, bring it from home, and then suddenly you can take your class outside. I also had some conversations where thinking about having our PTAs doing school branded face coverings and water bottles. And I think that would be, that would be really great for building school culture. And then one other one we're thinking about is we have student clubs that can 3D 
print face shields. We had one group that was making them for local hospitals and I contacted the student and he's going to actually produce some of them for our teachers too. So there's a lot of really cool ways to get your community involved. I think even having families create face coverings for, for the students and teachers is a great idea. Yeah. I mean, what better way to implement project-based learning than having students design and implement a 3D printed product that can be utilized throughout the entirety of the district. I've also seen a lot on Twitter, a lot of teachers who are, are really into sewing and they're making their very own face coverings with a covering cut out of the middle. And so now you can see the teacher's faces and they're sharing those patterns freely all through Twitter. So, you know, getting maybe some businesses in your community who do sewing or alterations to say, hey, we have this pattern. Is there a way that you can make X number of face coverings for our staff or students? Is that possible? Leveraging your community is absolutely going to be important during these times here coming in the fall. One other idea I had was that with all of these challenges with logistics, you probably have experts in your community in some of these areas. So there might be somebody who works for a company that actually works on traffic patterns. For us being super close to Disneyland, I think if I could find a parent that worked there that really worked on how parks are organized for traffic flow, we could really get them to help us look at the traffic patterns on our campuses. So there may be community members that could even help solve some of the challenges you're facing in terms of logistics. Absolutely. Leveraging those experts in those fields are going to be incredibly important. Now, I would like to end the podcast, Jamie, by explaining to our listeners about our Padlet, the call to action, collaborating together. What can our listeners utilize the Padlet for and what can they add to help add to this conversation? Super excited about this. And this is actually was my question to you when we met at the conference. I really want to find more ways for all of our school leaders and those involved in reopenings to share ideas. We are working too hard independently and there are so many things we can kind of share, steal, and borrow from each other. So Joe's created this Padlet and when you open it up, you're going to see topics. And on those topics, we would love for you to add kind of your ideas or even questions. If there's things you're thinking about, um, post them on there. We really want this to be a community bulletin board that we can share all of the work that we're doing. So the topics include how to get parents involved, how to get students and staff involved, the reopening models, some of the factors to overcome, um, thinking about transportation, and then those innovative solutions. So we invite you to add your ideas. I've added some of mine already, and I'll continue to post them up there. And I'm really excited to learn from all of you and, and share the work that we're doing. Excellent. I always say education is a collaborative sport. And if we're doing it alone, we're doing it wrong. So Jamie, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And I absolutely love everything that you are doing for helping your school district plan for this fall reopening. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the show. Once again, that was Jamie Lusatter, Chief Technology Officer of La Cañada School District in the Los Angeles area. If you would like to get a hold of Jamie, her contact information is in the show notes below. Also, don't forget, we have created a Padlet just for you so we can share all of our information and all of your ideas with the rest of the educational sphere. You can find the link to this Padlet in the show notes below. If you would like any additional information of any of the products or services we talked about here on this podcast, please contact your account manager for any inquiries regarding these services. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, don't forget, it always seems impossible until it's done. I'm Joe Marquez, and it's been a pleasure learning with you today.